It's Gabriel and you're listening to Frames of Tomorrow podcast. Today you are listening to part two of my interview with Yuan Tomoyaga, a controller or finance director in the healthcare industry, where he will be sharing his thoughts around the priorities of finance executives, decision making and mentorship. If you want to learn more, stay tuned. With the current global healthcare crisis, the implications for specific sectors are broad and diverse, with many of the world's largest sectors facing immediate impacts as well as long-term uncertainty. All in all, it is clear that 2020 will be an increasingly complex, uncertain and fast-moving year, with executives facing tough choices regarding how to successfully steer their business through the upcoming challenges. Yuan, I'm not sure if you see this around you a lot, but I noticed that people are hungry for mentorship around planning their next career step and upskilling so that they feel ready for bigger challenges. I remember I felt this lack of guidance in my early years. So my question is, who should people look up to and why are education and development projects mostly initiated from bottom levels? So to answer that question, I feel that employees should really look up to their department directors to receive the proper training in order to move to move to the next level in their career. As mentioned before, the director is ultimately responsible for the success and failure of their department. That's why accountability is very important here. And to segue into the book, this is one of the things why, this is one of the reasons why I love that book so much or why I love the book so much is because it talks a lot about you owning the process, right? You are, the buck stops here, there's nothing else. In terms of your other question, you know, they're initiated from the bottom because the frontline staff feel that knowledge gap between where they are and they wanna be. As for me and my team, I wanted to ensure that I have a staff that was cross-trained in all aspects of the department for several reasons. One, I wanted to increase the whole bench strength of the accounting team. I wanted everyone to be better. Two is I actually wanted to prepare people for the next level in their career. I think it would be selfish of me to believe that my staff are going to stay with me forever as long as I am the director and that nobody wants to move up and out. No, I think that's wrong. Third, I actually wanted to have a, uh, I want people to be cross-trained in case of an emergency, vacation plans, whatever life throws at them. I didn't want the knowledge to be stuck with one person. I heard a very funny comment a while ago called bus factor equals one. And what that means is if you got, if that person was the only person who knew how to do that thing in your department, and they got hit by a bus, would pick it up. Nobody, because nobody knew how to do that thing. So I thought that was pretty funny and I didn't want to have a bus factor of one. I wanted to make sure that people were cross-trained. They knew other pieces and, and other elements of the department. They had greater perspective of what the department does, how it incorporates and touches other departments. And I also wanted an improved life-work balance because I feel that when we share the burden, it makes the burden lighter for everyone and life is better for everyone all around. Look, there's no value in keeping the information all to myself. I believe that the power of the team should not be overlooked. 
I'm going to quote now Ned Stark from the popular TV series Game of Thrones. He said, when the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. And I think that is the essence of the team. We survive. We carry one another's burdens. We're able to do more, be more. And that's how you lead a high-performing team. I love that quote you just shared, and I think you are so right. Uh, Leaders should learn how to step outside of their own uh, list of personal priorities once in a while and invest in developing a long-term, high-performing team. Speaking about priorities, uh, true or false, Yuan, finance executives are rewarded for cost reduction only. What are some of the myths surrounding the priorities of finance executives? I would say no. We're rewarded for multiple metrics uh, within hospital systems. I'm just gonna share a few. Quality, how are your infection rates, especially post-surgical? Are you doing well with those? What about people? Do you have high or low turnover? You know, it's very costly for, for an organization to continue to change staff. A lot of knowledge is lost through that process. And uh, obviously uh, an important factor is net income the combination of revenue generating activities and cost containment. These are just a few. According to Global Data's executive briefing, the infectious disease market, estimated at $7.6 billion in 2019, is expected to grow stably by 2025 to $8.4 billion at a compound annual growth rate of 2.2%. COVID-19 will also provide opportunities for the IT industry, particularly in the areas of big data and artificial intelligence, as healthcare providers grapple with a fast-changing situation. And here comes the question from Alex. What role does accurate data play in uh, making financial decisions or during the financial close period? How is the evolution of cloud-based technologies like uh, machine learning or AI impacting the finance role? So accurate data is vital to making informed decisions post-close, but during close, it's already too late by that time. You know, when we learn about it during close, it's too late. So we're just able to take that information and do something with it afterwards. In terms of accuracy, for me personally, I'm not looking for for perfection in the data. You know, I allow for a margin of error between five and 10%. I prefer not to be as high as 10%, but I realize that perfection doesn't exist, right? So I'm looking for that 5% high level scope. Hey, we've captured the majority of all known information. The next thing is, well, how do I see AI? I see AI impacting the finance and accounting sectors tremendously over the next few years. It's actually already here, but it's just not at that massive scale yet. Anything that's repetitive type work, like paying invoices, accounts payable, could really all be done by AI. Uh, Quite frankly, even journal entries and doing balance sheets can be done through AI, I think, in time with really very little human intervention, just really oversight. In terms of cloud-based technologies, you know, we're already using them as a company. Oracle, for example, we're using Oracle in our company. Yuan, I'm sure that internally, in the current climate, the attention is focused even more on finance executives with some tough decisions to make. And here comes a question from Tiberiu. What's the key to a successful budget? 
Are growth and efficiency projected within the budget you are building looking forward? So in my opinion, the key to a successful budget is knowing your business. What do you do? If you know your business, which is your service lines, your offerings, then you know the cost of those services that you offer. But in terms of the areas of focus, I really look, when I look at a budget, I focus on trend analysis, right? So when I look at my revenue, let's just look at the top line of the income statement, revenues, units, volumes, what direction are they headed? What does that forecast look like for the rest of the year? What does that forecast look like for next year? What about my expenses? You know, labor tends to be one of the, one of the greatest expenses to, to any organization's operating expenses, right? So I want to make sure that I have the right amount of labor for the workload that I have. I look at supplies. Do I, I need to have the right amount of supplies to match that workload, to match that volume of units. As a further deep dive in terms of budgeting, can I do anything to reduce some of the some of these supply costs? Can I do a bulk buy to get a better product? Can I look for a, a vendor who produces the same commodity products, which is to say, I'm going to get those products like for like at a lower cost. I can look at my controllable expenses. I can begin to evaluate savings between service contracts and going to time and material. We can also look at uh, our volumes and look at those expense assumptions. So no doubt there's tons of things to look at. And you know, in, in our budget, we probably, we have over 40 items that we take into consideration and we ensure that we capture all those elements in our budget. First thing we do is we actually establish, or what I do is I establish everything based off of trend. Then I add in my assumptions to see where that's going to take me. Basically a what if analysis, if you will. I want to thank you, Yuan. You shared so many helpful insights that I think would benefit mostly those who want to do better business with people like you. It is so important that we learn your language and listen to what you have to say. And now to end the show on a positive note, tell us uh, what are you most excited about? Is there a particular good news you want to share with our audience? We would love to celebrate it with you. So as evidence of my approach to mentorship, my staff got me a beautiful plaque where they expressed their gratitude for my leadership. When I got that plaque, I really felt like I had made a positive impact in their professional lives and was able to give them greater perspective. You can check out what they gave me on my LinkedIn page. Thank you again, Yuan, for accepting to come on the show. It was great to have you. And now to our audience, if this was helpful, let me know on LinkedIn and subscribe if you haven't already to Frames of Tomorrow podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You'll be hearing some of the best advice out there from executives themselves so we can learn their language and shape a better future for business. Until next time, stop worrying and start living.